Are you a painter looking to improve your watercolours? Then join me, Tom Shepherd, at my online watercolour school, which is set to launch in the first half of 2022. Suitable for all levels, beginners will find it a great place to start and slowly build up their knowledge, whilst more experienced painters will find plenty of in-depth theory, along with the practical application to really take their painting to the next level. You will find professionally filmed tutorials as well as shorter technique and theory videos. Plus, one feature I'm super excited about is the online members forum where you can connect with loads of like-minded artists from all over the world to share, help and support each other. Online learning is a great solution for many people and this online school has been created to really help you enjoy your watercolour journey whilst learning the correct ways to advance and improve your painting. For more information and to join, please visit schoolofwatercolour.co.uk and I hope to see you there. Hi, I'm Peter Keegan. And I'm Tom Shepherd, And welcome to Ask an Artist, the podcast that's created for working artists and makers, people who are looking for tips and advice, ideas and strategies for not only making, but selling their work too. Covering a range of topics from social media to approaching galleries, as well as interviewing fellow artists and industry experts, Ask an Artist podcast is here to help guide you and keep you company on your artistic journey. Well, it's not called Ask an Artist for nothing, because today we give over the whole content of the podcast to you, the listener, where some of you have sent in your artistic quandaries to challenge me and Peter to see if we can shed a little light on them and help you out. So today we'll be answering questions about participating in an art fair for the first time, how to start a new series of work, and dealing with someone who just won't pay. We've got our first question from Annie, who says, I'm soon to be entering my first ever art fair, and I'm not sure exactly how many of my paintings I should get framed. Should I frame all my pieces or just leave them as mounted? I have to be careful as I do have a limited budget. Go on, Pete, let's hear what you want to say. It's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, I do. I remember my first uh, sort of uh, art fairs that I did very, very early on. And of course, it's a scary point in any kind of uh, career because, you know, you're putting yourself out there for the public to look at your work and scrutinise. And of course, we all have this aim and ambition, don't we, that we're going to sell out and, you know, the demand is going to be for more. But in reality, you know, people will be uh, experiencing you for the first time and it may take, you know, them a while to kind of, you know, build up an interest in your work. But if you get it right, you know, you can have some success. Now, should you frame sort of all of your pieces? And Annie said she's got paintings. I think that... I think that when it comes to sort of selling, having a range of of options, I think is very good. Having a sort of a range of, you know, what I call price points. So having, you know, one or two sort of big pieces or, you know, big either in scale or big as sort of, you know, expensive, you're kind of more highlight, you're more kind of impact piece. And then having sort of, you know, your main body of work. So you could say, you know, the, the, the good sort of 60, 70% of the rest of the work will be kind of, you know, your middle range pieces, your sort of, you know, medium to small pieces that I would say, you know, I would say have a frame and certainly presented in a way that someone could take it home and and put it straight on the wall. But then I think that you know, people do love a bargain. They do love the sort of behind the scene thing. So, you know, I would be, you know, open to having a few pieces that are, you know, in amount uh, because people may not to be able to stretch the cost of the frame. 
And I'd think about, you know, scale work as well, having something slightly smaller. I mean, I've sold pieces that haven't got a mount on them at all. They kind of, they always have a nice little rummage to see what's hiding at uh, at the back of the stall or in the back of a, you know, a folio. And um, inevitably they fall in love with those pieces. I've done the same. I've been guilty. I've gone to uh, art and craft fairs and I like, you know, some of the the ceramics or, or the work on display. And I say, have you got anything else? And of course they rummage under the table. They bring out some other stock and I go, oh, I love that. And I'll, I'll end up taking that. So having some sort of things sort of stood by that you can sort of especially bring out uh, I think appeals yeah. but having the range of things I think is is the kind of the real key, key here and not everything needs to be kind yeah. of framed and presented to the, the same higher standard. Have you had a similar thing Tom with your experience? Yeah, oh, no, I know I completely agree with that Pete. Yeah, I, I firstly agree that people love a little bit of a delve and a discovery. I think that approach it's particularly useful with what Annie's talking about, which is art fairs. You know, we're not talking about a high-end gallery here. We're talking about an art fair where you're face-to-face meeting people. I 100% agree with Pete that you want different price points. I think that's a really great idea. Uh, I've always gone with that from, like like Pete said, a, a, a big high-end couple of statement pieces down through the sizes, right down to even, for me personally, like prints and greetings cards. You kind of Ticking a good few boxes there. Obviously, the framing does depend on your budget. You said you've got a limited budget. Finances are a big dictator. Framing can be expensive. I think if you really, you know, this is your very first art fair and you're really starting out, you're not well established. Yes, I think you want to present a few pieces just to show people what they can look like. You know, some attention grabbers framed, people with a higher budget, whatever. But if you can focus more on professionally presenting your your work i think that's the key and you can professionally professionally present your work without framing you know i've i've done plenty of art fairs where i've put a lot of effort into presentation but that doesn't involve framing like i've done good mounting or i've hung my paintings with a backing board but just with bulldog clips or if you're working on canvas and you've just neatly finished the edges mm. that can actually be a selling point like you don't have to have a frame this can be a modern look bang it on a wall you're good to go like you, you can spin it round and and think about things in a different way and I, again Pete I don't know if you have found this also if if you are investing in a load of frames up front there's a obviously no guarantee that you're going to get that money back, at least initially. And the other thing that I found is that as times have gone on, especially in earlier days, it's only from doing art fairs, looking at what frames have sold, what frames people like, what they don't like, what suits my work as it evolves, that I start to realise what framing I should be doing. And I wish that I could go back and not have spent hundreds and hundreds of frame uh, pounds on frames mm. earlier on. Uh, because I've still got a lot of them now because my work's evolved or I've realised that they're not quite suitable and they're still kind of sitting about now. So it's also leaving it open that you might change mm. your framing style as time goes on. I think that it's it's also fair to say that, you know, of course there are different framing options you can go down the you know the bespoke framing which of course has a much higher cost understandably do bear in mind that if you approach a framer and if you give them multiple pieces usually they will discount it because of course they're kind of framing in, in a job lot so you can keep the costs down on that uh, but for those artists where that isn't even an option of course buying ready-made frames is perfectly fine it is sort of understandable but just make sure that you know, the presentation and the make and the quality 
quality is as as good high quality standard as possible. I also think it's fair to say that having a consistent presentation of framing style and aesthetic is really important. Having a mishmash of styles and colours and frames looks incredibly cluttered, looks very confusing, and it certainly doesn't present you as having a consistent uh, quality uh, style and presentation. So bear that in mind that if you are, you know, if you are one to sort of go into charity shops or or hardware uh, discount places to find frames, that is perfectly fine. But it needs to think about that final product of where you are and how you're displaying them. There needs to be sort of an element of consistency. So as long as it's presented in that way, uh, that is fine. I would finally finish to say that, remember, a frame is sort of never finite. Frames can be kind of recycled. I would never see a framing as a finite um, operation for just one fair yeah. i would see it as for you know the next 2 3 years of opportunities exhibitions and fairs and such that i will be showing in because you know if you go to a fair and let's say let's say you sell 20% let's hope you sell 60% you're always going to left with be left with a little bit of stock that'll get carried over to the next thing and hopefully you'll kind of you know make some more yeah. artwork to go with that so kind of see it as like a rolling cycle Definitely. as opposed to just a one off finite sort of hit uh, for that one off project things can change and you know i've been known to take uh, frames i think tom you said you the sort of style of framing changes where i've taken a series of frames and i've painted them all yeah. up so they've changed color they've changed sort of feeling it's still the same molding and shape the colors change and and suddenly i've got like a new fresh appearance and look so you know that see them as like an organic thing that can change yeah. uh, with your artwork as well i think that's a really great point pete they are an evolving thing and you will naturally as time goes on you will find that you kind of accumulate frames in a positive way and that if you suddenly have to put on an art fair or you need to frame a piece, you've got this kind of set of frames kind of ready to go. What can also work well, I've found, is that, yes, you might have a few frame pieces, like you said, present all the other pieces in a a uniform way, even if they're not framed. That's the professional presentation. And then what can be nice is to have a couple of frames if you work to a stock size kind of under the table so people, you can just say, well, this is what this one would look like in a frame. That's a great idea. It really can help good. sell the painting and you might even sell the frame as well if you're lucky. You know, it gives people an idea and it, it's a nice professional way. And it, it's it's almost like a soft sell. It's like, oh, I'll just pop a frame out, stick it there. Now you can just focus <laughs> all of your attention on this painting and just sit with it for a little bit. It's a nice little I like, touch. I like that idea. I'm going to steal that idea. That's a great idea. It's, it works. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> All right, guys, great question. Now it's time to splash a bit of colour into the podcast. You watercolourists may or may not know that master paint maker Michael Harding has created a new range of watercolours. I've been so excited waiting for this new offer and they are set to release this year. The range of colours are just beautiful and as you would expect, they are rich, full and intense with a wonderful depth to them. They literally ooze quality. Not only does this look fantastic as the water and pigment do their thing, but the colours retain their wonderful lustre when dry. When in pursuit of lighter tonal values, we are of course having to use a lot of water to dilute the pigment, often then sacrificing intensity of colour. However, on using this new range, the very first thing that struck me was the richness and depth I was still getting in my lighter values. And due to the choice of pigments, I also found that my mixes still had an excellent clarity and luminosity, something which can be easily lost as someone who loves colour. 
This is a real game changer, and this intensity and quality of pigment offers some very exciting possibilities. They're an absolute joy to work with, giving quality results. Oh, they really are lovely. I've tried them as well. And if you're keen to find out when they will be released and to find a retailer near you, then simply visit the website at michaelharding.co.uk. And now we've had our colour fix. Let's get back to discuss the next question. So this is from uh, Hugo. I think Hugo sent this via our website, Ask an Artist Podcast. Thank you very much. And it says, I've been away from the studio for almost a year due to poor health issues. And now I've returned. I don't know where to start. I have a few ideas, but nothing concrete. And I'm a little intimidated by the white sheet in front of me. Any thoughts or suggestions would be warmly welcomed. And I imagine this is a problem that maybe lots of people have experienced these last couple of years, being away from the studio or certainly suffering uh, ill health. I mean, whether you've had a sort of health problems or not, there is something quite intimidating about that sort of blank sheet and that blank canvas anyway from day to day. Where do you start with that creative block, I suppose, and starting yeah. a new uh, a painting? Any Anyone out there who's a creator of any sort can kind of uh, relate to Hugo here. Like Peter said, whether it's been a year down to health issues or for you, it's felt like a long time for what any other reason. We've all had those times when we need to get back into our painting and we don't know where to start. Uh, the first thing I would say is much easier said than done. Try and let go of any end results initially. Just kind of enjoy things. I would, I would really focus whatever your material is that you work with. Just get reacquainted with the material. Like enjoy diving back into it and playing with it. And then I would also, and I recommend this anyway all the time. Go back to basics and start from there. Go back to the foundations. Enjoy the foundations. If it's painting, for example, you know, revisit the good old solid base of composition. You know, maybe explore your drawing elements a little bit, whatever medium you use, and your tonal values. You know, start from there. All inspiration, all development is born out of these solid foundations. So enjoy going back to them, rediscovering them, because you'll be a different person a year on. Play around with these principles and you will very quickly find that your work starts to jump forward and find a new direction kind of naturally. I think that's great. I love that idea. I think I particularly relate to the um, the kind of the, the material, kind of reintroduce yourself to, you know, the, the yeah. new tools or materials and play. You know, I think that it's too easy to get swept away by the seriousness of producing yeah. art and we forget to play and enjoy that creative process and, and spend some time immersing yourself into that experience. I think for me as well, one of the things that I would look to and I do uh, to this day when I feel you know feeling a little stale or a little bit kind of uncertain and unsure of where to go is surround yourself with creative individuals surround yourself with like-minded folk because you know that's where I feel ideas start to germinate and things start to get quite exciting where you get other people to inspire you and push you to question to challenge to inspire and that can be from whether it's attending you know an art class or a course that could be uh, meeting up with you know members of a local art club or your art group or your society one of the wonders of course with you know the the internet and social media is you can connect with people so much more easily um, and, or whether that's just meeting with a friend down the pub with a sketchbook and and sort of penning ideas 
sometimes some of the best ideas that I have sort of taken through as an artist were not my idea to begin with. Someone sort of fed an idea of, have you thought about, you know, painting this? Or I know somebody that was, you know, was quite interesting with a, a wonderful occupation or wonderful features or an instrumentalist. And suddenly something starts happening and the creative, you know, thing in your brain starts to take over. And I find sort of collaboration is is a wonderfully strong uh, kind of indicator and catalyst for creative yeah. works. That's a that's a really lovely idea. You know, none of us can exist in a bubble entirely and we need that kind of energetic kind of emotional and visual input from other people. Uh, so that's a great one. I, I would also like to kind of build upon that idea and this is something that I do when I am stuck and and this this might be of use you know if you're one thing I I do is I collect uh, loads of images usually it's on my phone through Instagram and Pinterest or just searching for artists but it can be you know like photographs it can be pictures of sculpture it can be other people's paintings it's just like don't think about it too much and only save the images that really, really appeal to you a lot, like that really excite you. Don't overthink it. Just say yes, no, yes, no. Save them all up. Put them in a folder. At some point, after a while, go and look through all of these images. And what you'll find is there might not be immediately apparent, but there may be like an interesting commonality amongst all of these images Mm. uh, or some sort of underlying principle that when you look kind of closely, it kind of unites a lot of these images, like might be dramatic lighting or harmonious colour schemes or bold, exciting compositions, that some sort of common thread that you've clearly been drawn to, maybe without even knowing initially. Well, that is how you find like what's kind of appealing to your heart and where you kind of want to go. Uh, you're kind of bypassing your conscious mind here. And then really focus on whatever that commonality is for a bit. Make that the focus of your artwork and really dive into it. If it's dramatic lighting, learn how to paint, build atmosphere and get stuck into that one thing. Forget about colour for a little bit. Focus on tonal values, for example, and build your whole practice around that for a little bit. And you'll find that you'll get really excited about what you're doing. Enjoy it. See where it takes you. And I can guarantee that you will love that journey. I think that's great. Give yourself permission to say, no, I'm not ready yet. Step away and reflect, read, meet people, get inspired. So I think that's great. Don't force yourself to do something if you're just not ready. You know, of course, you have to be pushing your material around for an idea to come to you but you have to be compelled to push the paint around in the first place and sometimes by looking and reading and talking to people is is that way that can do that definitely yeah and I think the other thing is it's um you know especially if it's been a long time like for Hugo it's been a year he may well have built this up massively in his head to this like this unbelievable pressure to perform and that's why the first thing I said is kind of try and let go of end results and just kind of dive in but with all of the things that Peter and I have just mentioned like it's some sort of structure underlying your dive if that makes sense yeah no I completely agree now, Tom, we've got a- another question coming up, and it's a bit of an awkward one. It's um, I think you should read this. It's from Susan. Uh, the reason I'm making you read it is because it's a bit too close to the bone for me, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Yeah, I think um, a few people could probably relate to this. So Susan asks or says, I'm a full-time working artist, and I've recently started selling work a lot more on social media, Instagram in particular. All previous sales have been successful and straightforward. However, I have encountered a customer who wishes to buy my painting but keeps failing to pay once I send her the invoice. She's now gone quiet, not replying to my messages or emails. Do I keep the painting for her in case she replies or do I simply put it back up for sale? 
you're being ghosted. I think that's the phrase, isn't it? You're, you're, you know, you get that bite and, you know, you suddenly get very excited. Somebody wants your work. Somebody wants to, you know, give you some of their hard earned cash for the thing that you've created. And then it goes quiet. And it's something that I've, I've, I'm starting to experience, I think, a little bit more. I think it's potentially, is, I don't know, is it social media? Is it things like Instagram that has a sort of a throwaway culture that one minute you can be interested and the next minute not? I, I don't know. But, you know, I've been in this situation where, yes, there's interest. There's a lot of excitement, in fact, and there's a lot of positive dialogue. And you decide, they decide on the piece and, and you agree a price and um, it's either taken to email and you send them the invoice and then nothing, nothing, nothing comes up. And you kind of think, well, maybe, you know, maybe they're busy or maybe they're unwell. So you give them the benefit of the doubt and you might send them a reminder saying, you know, hello, is this still happening? And still nothing and still not sure. And, and you think, oh, gosh, I hope they're OK. But then you realise, no, they're still OK. They're still active on, uh, on social media and doing other things. So you think, well, nothing's bad happened. But they kind of go quiet. And I can completely empathise with Susan. What do you do with that painting? Do you, do you keep it by or do you put it up for sale? And I kind of realised that there has to come an end point. You have to kind of clearly state the terms, either up front or at the point of silence, where after... One, maybe two prompts saying, you know, listen, if you're still interested, then, you know, pay up. That's fine. I'm happy to deliver. But I think you kind of need to set an end result. I think you need to say, if I haven't heard from you by this date, I'll assume that you do not want it. And just, you know, it will be put back up for sale. I think that's important that just there is sort of an end goal. Otherwise, you don't want it to drag on and on. It kind of gets you down and grinds you down emotionally. Um, and it sort of it leaves a kind of a bitter taste uh, in the whole experience. So I would I would give a sort of an end. And as far as possible, I try and keep it as, as positive as possible. You know, just I would sort of say, if you've changed your mind, that's absolutely fine. No hard feelings. Thank you very much, you know, for your interest. And I hope you will continue supporting me. I try and keep it more positive as opposed to making a point and being negative. I don't think that is a you know very professional thing to do anyway. And I would hate for, for any type of negativity to kind of bite me back in the future. But that's what I would do, Susan. I don't know if you'd have anything to add to that, Tom, how you would approach yeah, a similar I, thing. I would, I would almost echo that identically. You, you know you don't you don't know what's going on in other people's lives sometimes they do just forget i completely agree with keep it light even if you're pushing in the direction of you know can you pay me now please or i'm going to put the painting back up for sale <laughs> there's no reason to be nasty about it or negative about it you can do it very politely and and positively i i would say exactly the same thing for example if someone's buying a painting and we've got to a certain point and i send them an invoice i would say that the invoice needs to be paid within x amount of days um, whatever feels appropriate to you, or that I would contact them one last time out of courtesy, giving them an extra 10 days, and after which I reserve the right to put it back up to sale. If you've changed your mind, like you said, no problem whatsoever. Um, I can also quickly tell you that I've experienced this a couple of times with commissions, and it has made me present myself slightly more differently with commissions, that being that someone's commissioned a piece, and I've said, yeah, cool, I'll do that, I'll let you know when it's done. I've been emailing and emailing and I've put a lot of effort into the commission and I hear nothing back from them. Uh, and then eventually it got to the point where it's like, totally fine if you change your mind, I will be now selling the painting. I feel I've given you enough warning. Slightly different with commissions. So now what I do is when someone commissions something, I obviously take a deposit. That's a good place to start. And I have what I call a commission agreement, which is just a simple word document. And it just says deposit required to start the commission. In the planning stages, I will do three sets of sketches. Any changes beyond that will cost you £40 per change. 
uh, and then the balance will be due on completion. If you do not pay the balance, I reserve the right to sell the painting after 60 days, blah, 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 all of this stuff. It sounds really formal and loads of people feel really uncomfortable sending out a, such a formal agreement. And I even say like almost apologize and say, sorry, it's a bit formal, but at least we know where we both stand. Mm. It's completely transparent. I feel really comfortable dealing with you. You're going to feel much more comfortable dealing with me. So, so much simpler. Everyone knows where they are with it. And you can just take that lighthearted but formal attitude with every single interaction you have with your business and everyone will be happier about it. I can guarantee that. And it's it's to protect you as well. You know, you, you yeah. are, you know, in a vulnerable position, you know, as a working artist. It's just you out there. You may be doing this completely on your own. And just having some just agreeable, transparent terms just protects both you and of course and the customer as well so yeah. you know i think that's a really sensible thing to do i certainly do it with all my you know transactions and commissions uh, up front and it keeps everyone on the straight and narrow and almost always leads to very positive uh, outcomes as a result of course and great questions there pete and hopefully some useful answers so what's going to be the takeaway here Oh, well, the takeaway is very simple, that if you have an arty question or problem you'd like answered by myself or Tom, then simply visit our website at askanartistpodcast.com or via the social media pages. Just simply search Ask an Artist and you can submit them there. Go on, give us a good challenge. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can catch up with all the stuff we covered in this episode, plus all of the previous episodes at askanartistpodcast.com. Thank you so much for all of your reviews and your ratings, both on the website and on Apple Podcast. They really do help keep the podcast visible and free for everyone. Are you a member of an art club, group or society looking for an artist to come and lead a demonstration, workshop or give a talk? Perhaps you're a company or an organisation wishing to work with an inspiring artist for a residency or special project. Or maybe you yourself are a budding artist looking to learn from some of the best art tutors across the UK. If so, look no further than Art Profile. Art Profile is the UK's largest art agency, linking creative artists and makers to art groups, companies, schools and a whole host of other organisations wishing to work with artists who present teach and inspire to find out more about art profiles free service or to book an artist to come and work with you simply visit artprofile.co.uk